hey, this is Aaron and Zoe for another episode of the Manga Recon show. Yay! I've got a new mic, so this will be the this is the first show that we're recording on this new mic, but you might not it might not be the first show you hear. Anyway, so I'll let Zoe do it. Exciting. I like to think of myself as having good taste in manga. Most of the books I read are rather sophisticated in one way or another. Classic 70s and 80s manga like Saint Seiya, artsy horror like Uzumaki, and underground parody manga like Shortcuts. It's easy to think of reasons why I would recommend them to others. However, behind every pretentious connoisseur's legitimately justifiable stack of esoteric artsy manga lies an equally large stack of embarrassing dorky manga. Such shameful treasures are buried there, waiting to be unearthed. In my case, the dark secret is an addiction to ultra-fluffy, magical shoujo. I'm not talking about cool, innovative manga like Banana Fish or Rose of Versailles. I mean totally cliché, magical girl books, where the main character is a shy high school girl who secretly transforms into a beautiful superheroine with a puffy pink uniform and repeatedly saves the world from disaster, while simultaneously having a completely predictable, awkward teenage romance with a cute but mysterious transfer student who also turns out to be moonlighting as her arch-nemesis. I'm not exactly sure what's so alluring about formulaic fantasy books meant for 8- to 14-year-olds, but I read all of them religiously. I can't stop. Perhaps it's the hopeful power of escapism, the promise of another world where we can all be beautiful heroines who save the world and wear fabulous outfits. Or perhaps I simply overdosed on sarcasm and broke my brain. In any case, grab onto your magical cheerleading batons, because this month's column is an homage to my secret love, ultra-girly, magical transformation shoujo manga. I'm going to start with the manga that I liked the least because reading bad reviews is somehow more fun than reading good reviews. So here you go. The first manga I'm reviewing is called Saint Marie. It's volume two and the US publisher is ADV Manga. The age rating is 13 plus. I was initially attracted to Korean manga Saint Marie because of the tough Joan of Arc lookalikes on the cover. It's a supernatural battle manga with weird similarities to teen romance shows like Dawson's Creek, and the complex plot seems to show promise. However, the narrative is muddled by a quick introduction of quite a few characters at once. And it's hard to figure out what's going on as the focus switches from a high school crush type of subplots to an overarching supernatural magical transformation story. St. Marie's private high school is the stage for a supernatural battle of black versus white, Two ambiguous teams made up of children with magical abilities who are pieces in a chess game. The outcome of this battle will guarantee that the group rules the earth for the next millennium. The chessboard is the school itself, and the ability of each team members is dampened or heightened depending on the team's territory that they are located in. The goal of the game is to capture the other team's king. Initially, the identities of the chess pieces on each side are secret, so St. Marie is part of detective story and part battle manga. The main character, Da-In, is not on either side of the battle, 
yet she has the ability to telekinetically hear thought conversations between members of the white team. She also has the ability to perform thoughtography, which is the psychic printing of images onto a material like a t-shirt or a wall. Both sides attempt to get Dot in to join them, and they both are wary of her role as a neutral character in the unfolding battle. The best way to describe this manga is a cross between a Korean Dawson's Creek and the movie Highlander. I know that sounds weird, but bear with me. As students attempt to eliminate one another in gruesome ways, there's a definite teen drama feel as the characters get crushes on one another, form and break friendships and romances, and deal with things like dorm life and student bullying. Meanwhile, the chess game, the real reason for the school's existence, is underway, with a lot of Machiavellian maneuvering and fight scenes. The series is extremely fast-paced and dense. Initially, I found the books confusing, especially because many characters are introduced at once and it's hard to keep track of them. Readers have to pay attention to every small detail to keep up with the plot. Even facial expressions give away essential plot clues, and if you miss small things, you will be confused later. It wasn't until my second, more thorough read-through that I was able to understand what was going on. St. Marie is not your typical light shoujo read. Because of this, although the cover has an age rating of 13+, St. Marie is actually probably unsuitable for most 13-year-olds. I can't see your typical preteen having the attention span to wade through the dense narration. On the other hand, I can't see most older readers being able to maintain interest in the high school social melodrama. I found that I didn't know the characters well enough to care who was dating whom, and I found myself bored at times. The manga simply required more concentration than the emotional payoff justifies. Honestly, if I hadn't been reviewing St. Marie, I probably would have given up on them before I finished the second volume. That being said, St. Marie has an interesting concept. I think it could have been done better by Clamp or someone else. The storytelling is too cramped and stiff, and the subject matter is immature while also overly complicated, so although it's a good concept, the execution doesn't quite follow through. The art is pleasant shoujo fare, and the panel layout is nicely done but not revolutionary. In the end, it isn't enough to keep me coming back. The experience of reading St. Marie was a bit like eating cotton candy with a caramel center, difficult to chew but fluffy enough that I felt like I had just done something totally unhealthy and brain-rotting after reading two volumes straight through. My suggestion? Go for Clamp School Detectives if you want a well-paced supernatural high school detective book. My final score for St. Marie is a C+. Okay, the second manga I'm reviewing is Angel Diary, Volume 1. The U.S. publisher is Ice Kunian, and the age rating is 13+. Angel Diary is the latest series by Korean manhwa artist group Kara, who also produced the popular Shonen Eye series Demon Diary, licensed by Tokyopop. Despite the similarity of names, Angel Diary doesn't seem to have that much in common with Demon Diary except for Kara's broad, characteristic, bubbly art style. Angel Diary is about a beautiful angel princess who is betrothed to the King of Hell. Not wanting to marry some guy she's never met, the strong-willed princess runs away to Earth, cuts her hair, and disguises herself as a high school boy named Dong Young Wang. There's nothing I could possibly say about that name that many of you aren't already thinking. On Earth, she befriends mysterious classmate Biwal Jin, a cool and carefree prankster who seems to have no other hobbies aside them from his friendship with Dong Young. It's clear that Biwal has a crush on Dong Young, much to the horror of their homophobic classmates. 
This makes life complicated for Dong Young as she simultaneously tries to escape Bi Wall's perverted attentions, defend her manly honor as a boy, hide her secret female identity, and convince her other classmates that she and Bi Wall aren't having a gay relationship. What makes Bi Wall so cool is he doesn't seem to care about any of that. He doesn't seem to be affected in, by public opinion at all, even though he's seen by his classmates as a freaky, freaky slightly demented kid. It's soon apparent that Biwal somehow knows that Dong Young is a girl, and that she's the princess of heaven. He also seems to have very powerful magical abilities and protects Dong Young from ghosts and demons on several occasions. Despite herself, Dong Young is slowly falling for his manly charm, his obvious affection for her, and his occasional nonchalant displays of super powerful demon ass kicking. Could Biwal actually be Dong Young's fiance, the king of hell? Despite the predictable fairy tale plotline, I enjoyed the first volume of Angel Diary. The story unfolds nicely and holds your interest with a bevy of humorous gender-bending situations and the occasional exciting fight with cannibalistic demons. The romantic scenes are well done, and you really end up caring what happens to the main characters. I'm not exactly sure how the writer will manage to extend the plot over several volumes, since it's already obvious that Dong Young is going to end up with Bi Wall, but I'll reserve that judgment for a later review. The art by Kara is attractive, though somewhat uncomplicated. I'm not a huge fan of their work, as they tend to leave backgrounds sparse and skimp on detail. It's not perfect, but I'll probably end up buying the next volume of Angel Diary, because I want to see how Biwa will eventually woo Dong Young into becoming his bride in hell. Yep, I'm a sucker for this stuff. My final score for Angel Diary is a B. The final manga I'm reviewing for, the, for this manga recon is Meru Puri, published by Shoujo Beat. It's a division of Viz. The age rating is teen, and I'm reviewing volume two. I first came across the fantasy romance Meru Puri while flipping through a friend's copy of Shoujo Beat magazine. Matsuri Hino's florid, technically detailed art style immediately stood out to me as more beautiful than the other manga in the magazine and it doesn't hurt that every single character in the story is ridiculously attractive. The story seemed intriguing as well, a magical boy story for once, about a young prince from an alternate dimension who, think, thanks to an evil spell, transforms into a teenaged version of himself whenever he is in darkness. Without the kiss of his most beloved maiden, he can't return to his normal form, and he will continue to age rapidly until he grows old and dies. The prince, Aran, is transported through a magical mirror into the present day, and a young girl named Iri, the owner of the keepsake mirror, ends up befriending him. It is only after they take a bath and fall asleep together that Iran transforms inconveniently from a cute kid of indeterminate age into a hot 17-year-old, and only Iri's kiss can change him back into his original form. Confusion, embarrassment, and wackiness ensue. Merupuri has high-quality art, a fast-paced story, and well-developed characters. A lot of attention seems to have been paid to all aspects of the manga, and it's resulted in the delightful and offbeat romantic story. Volume 2 expands on the plot nicely, as Iri accidentally discovers the way to magically transport herself to Aran's world, just in time to disrupt his engagement ceremony. In order to save Iri from a lifelong prison sentence, Aran engages himself to her on the spot, much to Iri's shock and confusion. 
The rest of the manga involves Irie coming to terms with her alternating feelings for Aran, both a motherly type of love for him as a boy and a romantic love for him in his 17-year-old form that doesn't fall into her strict life plans and which she can't quite admit to herself. As things get more complicated and Aran switches form frequently and in the midst of various socially confusing situations, Irie's feelings begin to blur and Aran becomes a transforming force in her life. To my surprise, Merupuri actually has some fairly erotic, non-explicit scenes, romantic moments with a lot of tension that I wasn't expecting in a shoujo story for teenage readers. There's also the issue of Aran's age. Despite his magically transformed teenage appearance, he's still a kid of indeterminate age in a 17-year-old's body. This definitely has a potential to be creepy for a North American audience, but if you think about it, it's no creepier than Tom Hanks in the movie Big. Marupuri is an unusual and charming fairy tale, and I enjoyed reading both volumes. I'd like to see where the story is going. At this point, it's not clear that there will be a romantic ending, or if Aran and Iri will just end up being friends and allies, both the better for their complex relationship. I also enjoyed reading a magical boy story where Iri, the main character, has no magical powers, but rather is a hapless victim of family circumstance. In closing, I would recommend Marupuri to fans of fantasy shoujo romance. It's got much better art than a lot of other titles in the genre, and it's a pleasure to read and to look at. My final score for Marupuri is an A-.